AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Wheat buyers pushed back into the market. That helped wheat work to the upside and helped to pull corn prices higher. It also turned soybeans' mid-morning losses into solid closing gains. The cattle on feed report leaned negative, but live cattle led the complex higher. And the H&P report also pulled lean hog futures to the downside. Live on Boxing Day, not far from the North Pole, via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Agritalk. This afternoon, our guest analyst will be Scott Brown from the University of Missouri. Right after the news with Michelle Rook, we get price action perspective from Brian Split of agmarket.net. I'm producer Big Apple Joe Stackler, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Laurie. All right, Big Apple, thanks, buddy. That is Joe Stackler, producer of AgriTalk. Welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you are joining us. As Joe said, on Boxing Day 2023, day after Christmas, Michelle Rook. So, Michelle, is this a big day for you? Or are you taking a lot of stuff back? Uh, no. We do not buy anything for anybody anymore. We just, you know, you buy for the kids and that's it. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. We're kind of getting around to that as well now. How things going? Everything okay? Yeah, very good. I told everybody while you were gone and I filled in for you that I wanted a brown Christmas and I almost got it. So (laughs) I was pretty happy about that. Yeah, you kind of got a slick Christmas up there in South Dakota, didn't you? Yeah, but better than last year where there was like four feet of snow here. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. Four no foot of snow and it was cold. It was cold a yeah. year ago. Yeah. Yes. 50, and it's been such a nice winter. Yeah, 59 degrees. When we took off for candlelight service on Christmas Eve, stepped outside and that south breeze felt balmy. It was crazy, Michelle. Yeah, I know. I love El Nino, don't you? <laughs> yes. Yes, no doubt about it. Uh, as I said, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Oh. We're going to be talking with Brian Split here in just a little bit, and then we're going to talk with Scott Brown from the University of Missouri. We're going to get into the details of the Catalone Feed Report, the Quarterly Hogs and Pigs Report, and we'll get into some of the details of the Cold Storage Report as well. So we'll kind of wrap up 2023 in the livestock trade and take a look forward to 2024 and what to expect there with Scott. So looking forward to that. All right, let's go ahead and get started, Michelle. You bet. Well, it was a higher day in everything but hogs, and wheat did lead the upside. March suffered winter wheat futures opened slightly lower near session lows, but then firm throughout the session to close near session highs. Ukraine's counteroffensive strike on a Russian warship Monday night raised tensions in the region. Any disruption of supplies out of the Black Sea could send demand to the U.S. Export inspections of wheat in the week ending December 21st totaled 429,000 metric tons, topping trade expectations. 
expectations. The rally in front month SRW futures was stopped by resistance at 640. The close was the highest, though, since December 7th. March HRW wheat futures 19 and three quarters higher at 642 and three quarters. March SRW wheat up 20 cents, 636 and a quarter. And March spring wheat closed 729 and a quarter, up 15 cents on the day. Today is the kind of day that when you sit back and look at it, and it, it, we're, we're either going to spend the rest of the week just trying to defend and hold on to the gains that we put on uh, at the start of a, a holiday-shortened week, or this is going to be the start of a low-volume upside correction in this wheat market. We'll have to wait and see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, no doubt. Always the last week of the year is always interesting yep. in that respect. Yeah. Export inspections of corn in the week ending December 21st, totaling 1.08 million metric tons. That's easily top trade expectations. March corn futures opened steady, slipped to match support at Friday's low before turning up to close near session highs. Front month corn touched resistance, though, at 480 and closed near the high of the day. Increased tensions in the Black Sea and spillover support from solid gains in the wheat helped corn trade higher. Growing conditions in central Brazil also supported corn prices as the forecast calls for a return of above normal temps and below normal precip after this weekend's beneficial rains. March corn futures seven and a quarter cents higher, 480 and a quarter. May corn was six and a half cents higher, 492 and a quarter. Yeah, the near-term forecast has still got some scattered showers in it, though. Is is that what you're seeing? Yeah, but yeah. I don't know if you would say the weekend rains that were forecasted were a little bit disappointing, maybe. I said so. that's what we picked up from the guys at BAM WX this morning. Okay. So, yeah, yeah it's it, weather is still not great for crop conditions down there. That's the bottom line. No. Uh, Pro Farmer Crop Consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier from Soybean and Corn Advisor cut his Brazilian bean crop estimate by 2 million metric tons from last week. His crop peg stands now at 153 million metric tons. Bean prices traded lower until midday, then pushed to the upside on updated weather forecasts calling for more crop stress in central Brazil. Export inspections of soybeans in the week ending December 21st totaled 1.07 million metric tons, lining up with trade expectations. March beans rallied to within a quarter of a cent a uh, quarter cent of resistance, excuse me, at 1320 and held on to a post a high range close. March beans, 12 and three quarters higher at 1319. May beans up 11 and a quarter at 1328. We've been watching weather a lot so far and we're going to watch it even more going forward, I think. You bet. March cotton, 29 points higher at 80.05. Uh, Feb live cattle, 187 higher, 170. 40 March feeders were up 17 and a half, 224, uh, 57 and a quarter. And February hogs, 205 lower at 69.30. All right, Michelle. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. You bet. All right. That's Michelle Rook. Let's bring in Brian Split from agmarket.net. How you doing, Brian? Unmute, Brian. Unmute, Brian. Uh-oh. We're missing Brian. There we are. See, you shouldn't even put me on mute. I should just have access. <laughs> no, Merry, Merry Belated Christmas to you guys. How are you, how's it going? Hey, thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Everything go well? Yeah, Christmas was great. Thanks for asking. Very um, good. Very good day good. in wheat today, you know? We, yeah. It's kind of reminiscent of like two weeks ago. If you guys recall, there were three days in a row where you had these big 30-cent trading ranges, and you'd be down quite a bit one day, up a bunch the next day, right back down the next. So you got to wonder if we're going to be able to hold on to these gains that we had today. And actually, KC Wheat 
has had a very difficult time of, of uh, stringing together, uh, you know, two losses in a row or two gains in a row. Uh, we've only done that a couple times since the beginning of the month. So my bias would be back right back down tomorrow. But uh, this, this March corn contract, very close to the short-term downtrend from the October high to the December high that we made earlier this month. That would come in uh, about 482 today. We retraced exactly 50% of that break from the December high to the December low. So this is a right in a smack dab back to the middle of the trading range on corn. And uh, again, now you guys uh, touched on beans. This 200-day moving average has really been a pivot point. seems like when we can pop through it, we'll go about 20 cents above it. Uh, when we break down below the 200-day, we'll go about 20 cents below it. And uh, right now we're kind of, again, smack dab in the middle of the trading range from last week's uh, you know, upper end and lower end trade. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, Brian, the influence of, of the outside markets on what's happening in the ag markets. You know, I'm looking over at the energies in particular. It, it doesn't feel like there's a huge connection right now. No, there really isn't. And, and we're not seeing uh, like we have in previous years where there's a day-to-day -day connection, yeah. especially when you think about uh, crude oil up $2 or more for a lot of the session. And we had bean oil trading lower. Generally, uh, bean oil and, and crude oil will have the highest correlation out of a lot of the, you know, if you're going to try and correlate crude oil to one of the ag products. Uh, so was not holding true today. You know, and this is holiday trade. I mean, there's going to yep. be uh, stuff that's bought, stuff that's sold, evening up a position. So it's hard to make too much out of one day's trade this week. That's right. Good stuff, Brian. Thanks, buddy. That's Brian Split, agmarket.net. We got Scott Brown next. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. I don't know what you're thinking! So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Welcome back to Ag Talk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Davis has got the week off. He'll be back with us next week. Uh, Scott Brown is an associate extension professor and interim director of Rural and Farm Finance Policy Analysis Center at the University of Missouri, and he joins us right now. 
Dr. Brown, it's good to talk with you again. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Chip. Good, good, good. Glad to hear it. Hope everything went well over the Christmas break. It did. We're just anticipating a little cotton bowl here in a few days, Chip. Yeah, yeah. Who you got in that? We have Ohio State. Oh, that that little town, that little school from out east, right? Yeah, that that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm I, I'm I'm sure it's a victory for the Tigers here. <laughs> Bring boy, Scott. Yeah, this is getting back to the old Big Eight days. Now, so don't forget that. It's not very often. It's not very often that you will find me rooting for Missouri to win a football game, but I will be rooting for Missouri to win a football game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take we'll take all of the cheering we can get, Chip. Darn right, darn right. Don't blame you. Don't blame you. All right, man. Well, that's going to be a lot of fun. We've got Memphis in Memphis for the Liberty Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming up on Friday, so we'll take it. It's uh, It was a rebuilding year. It was a scary year at the start of the year for the Cyclones and, and turned out a whole lot better than what we feared it might at the start of the year. So uh, we're good to go. Good to go. Okay, buddy, let's talk about what we got on Friday. Start with the Hogs and Pigs report. Uh, what was the primary takeaway from it? Just to, to recap the numbers, we had all hogs and pigs on December 1 up very slightly from a year ago. The trade, however, was looking for a half a point down in the total number of hogs and pigs. Kept for breeding was down 3.3. Trade was looking for a 1.2% decline. And kept for marketing up about 0.3%. Trade was looking for the total number kept for marketing to be down a half a percent. So it was given a bit of a negative lean coming out of the report, and the market reflected that today. But when you dig into the numbers, Scott, what do you see? Well, I do think short run, when you look at the 180-plus uh, market hog inventory number, USDA told us uh, up up 2.4%. That was uh, outside the pre-report estimates, which I think when you look, that's going to give us some more negative here in the short run. Okay. However, that breeding number that we got back, Chip, was uh, on the low end or outside the low end of the pre-report estimates. Uh, so the good news I think we got out of the report, un- I shouldn't say unfortunately, I, I, I don't know how to take it, but increased productivity uh, in terms of, yeah. of uh, pigs per litter set through no- November really got us uh, when we, again, were outside the upper end of the pre-report estimates. So I guess I net out pigs per litter and and sows uh, on hand to to say <clears throat> longer term the report was neutral here in the short run. I think we've just got some more hogs to come to town than we might have thought earlier. You know, Scott, this the the pigs per litter. This was something that we talked about, boy, every quarter uh, three years ago. And then we went through a period where the guys were really struggling in the farrowing house and lost some pigs due to, you know, from diseases. And it wasn't the issue that, that, that it looks like it is now. And if they can keep the disease out of the barn, the efficiency in that farrowing house is going to make, is going to offset a lot of reduction in the sow herd, isn't it? Absolutely. I always go, well, we always know we're going to get rid of the worst uh, breeding inventory when we talk about cuts, yeah. but I I've heard anecdotally from a few producers all who's saying 
saying I've <clears throat> I've depopped, and when I came back, I am just shocked how good productivity has been. And I think that uh, uh, that that issue of again keeping that disease out of the barn is is going to be important going forward if they're able to do that. Uh, productivity may be right back on trend to where we thought a few years ago. So we'll wait and see. Um, and productivity is not bad. Uh, it's just that when, when we're in a situation where we need fewer hogs here in the short term, right. uh, I, I think it's tough on the price outlook side. Right. I, yeah, I think you're right. The, the one thing that it does, does show me though, is the vulnerability of that number because disease is doggone hard to keep out. And if, if they do a good job, it, I shouldn't say if they do a good job, I know they're going to do a good job. Sometimes even doing a good job isn't a successful job. Uh, but if, if disease does get into the, the sow herd this winter, uh, we, we can change the outlook for this hog market in a hurry. Yes. So your, your point's absolutely spot on of it doesn't take much of a change right. disease being one of them to get us from low prices to much higher prices or, or vice versa. And, and I think that's the important message here is that uh, uh, there, there's a lot of volatility probably in, in markets as we look ahead. And again, just very small shifts when demand, I say today, is so inelastic, um, not responsive uh, much to price that uh, it just doesn't take much to get us to move markets quite a bit. Right. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, boy, e even a half a percentage point can can change the outlook there in the so we've got the productivity that we've already talked about here the breeding herd is down our farrowing intentions what did you pick up from that from the forward looking info yeah so uh we looked these through february usda told us uh down 1.8 percent that was pretty close to to the to the pre-report estimate uh, march through may uh, also, uh, 1.2 of, of a year ago, down 1.2 of a year ago. Uh, that, that's pretty close to pre-report chip as well. So it seems like the fairing side's okay. I've, I'm, I'm curious whether we hit those fairing numbers when we're down on breeding inventory as much as we are. Mm -hmm. So perhaps the new, the good news that's coming is those fairing, actual fairings won't hit uh, the intentions that we got out of this report. Okay. Okay. So you we we've we've got the answers before I move on to demand. What about revisions? Were were there any revisions in this report that caught your attention? So we got a lot of revisions out of the report yeah. this time. So USDA went back all the way to March of 2022 in in making revisions. Uh nearly all of them were for more inventory, more breeding inventory. Uh, breeding inventory revised upward 100,000 uh, head some quarters, anywhere from 50 to 100,000 head. Uh, they went back and revised uh, all hogs and pigs by a million head uh, from the original September report. Those get our attention. Again, just more inventory than we anticipated uh, out of the reports that we've gotten. So those were the major revisions. I think markets are going to continue to question whether USDA is doing yeah. a good job on the survey front. Yeah. Uh, I, I say their job's just hard, uh, yeah. but uh, growing inventories as we went through the revisions 
also aren't helpful to uh, where we see prices headed. Yeah, it's a hard job. I agree with you, but to consistently miss on the downside in the in the the you know the initial data as it's released, uh, hopefully they're taking a look at at why that is happening and and can maybe get over there at that. But I think for now the the anticipation is that these numbers will eventually be revised up some. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Demand side uh, on on pork. At, I'd like to, I'd like to be optimistic on it, Scott. But I don't know how good it is. Yeah. So, I, Chip, I like to frame this to at least get us to go back to twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, which I'll say were phenomenal good demand years. Mm-hmm. And I, I look back at twenty three, and I missed it. I think a lot of folks missed that demand was going to retreat back, but I, I want to be careful about how weak we say demand is. To me, it's just got us back to where we were pre these very good couple of years of 2021 and 2022. I hope we can grow demand. I think we have an opportunity to see some growth in 2024, both domestically and internationally. But uh, if not, uh, I, th- I think we talk about prices that aren't very good again here in 2024, Chip. Right. Yeah, I want to do a little bit more on price outlook when we come from back from this break that's that's coming up, Scott. But Prop 12, it's not going to make it easier to really see a whole lot of of improvement on pork demand in the in the year ahead. That's so absolutely absolutely you're right, Chip. As as we try to figure out what products we're going to move in yeah. uh, and who's going to uh, service that California market and how are we going to do it? Are we, you know, yep. we're going to talk about plants that run one day that's Prop 12 compliant. I think there's just a right. ton of struggle doing that. Yep. Okay, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Scott Brown from the University of Missouri. Let's head over to the markets page at profarmer.com and recap where the markets closed. March HRW wheat futures 19 and three quarter cents higher at 642 and three quarters. March SRW wheat up 20 cents, 636 and a quarter. March corn futures, seven and a quarter cents higher, 480 and a quarter. May corn up six and a half cents to 492 and a quarter. March beans, 12 and three quarter cents higher, 1319. May beans up 11 and a quarter to 1328. March cotton was 29 points higher at 80.05. February live cattle, Buck 87 and a half higher at 170.40. March feeders up 17 and a half to 224.57 and a half. And February lean hogs were 205 lower at 69.30. Give Pro Farmer a try at tryprofarmer.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Stay in the dark with its powerful LED lights. 
Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk. What more do you need to know? She complicated. Left me Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. We are in the middle of a conversation with Scott Brown. Scott's at the University of Missouri, where he is an associate extension professor and interim director of Rural and Farm Finance Policy Analysis Center. Uh, Scott, we were we were talking about Prop 12 at the end, and we had to stop because of uh, because of the break there. You raised an interesting question, and I'll throw it back at you. How is that market in California? going to be serviced how do we break up the slaughter uh, assignments responsibilities the production responsibilities to feed into that market i think it's a tall order chip honestly Uh, i i don't think for many of the, the packing plants it makes sense to have a dedicated period of time where we're going to slaughter prop 12 compliant hogs uh, t- to me, the very short run here is we're going to push products into California that don't require changes to meet Prop 12, uh, some of the cooked products, yeah. et cetera. So I think what we deliver to California may change, uh, but we're, we're, it's going to be different, I guess. And and I'll just say, I'm not sure I have the answer. Stay tuned here for the next six or eight months as markets try to adjust to Prop 12. You know, that's going to be, that is going to be a rough adjustment because of the amount of loins, uh, pork bellies, fresh pork bellies that went into California, Scott. This is, and loins, I, I think it's loins in particular are going to be really tough market to adjust to this, right? I Already we struggle on the loin side. I don't think this, yeah. this helps us at all, Chip. Yeah. Dang, man. Uh, I don't think California voters are getting what they thought they were getting out of this whole deal. That's. Uh, that's the bottom line. But you vote for it. There are consequences to elections, are there not, Scott? That's right. So we're <laughs> we're giving uh, California what they said they wanted. Yep. Uh, we'll we'll see uh, down the road if uh, they're they're still as happy with their outcome as uh, yep. what they passed. Yep. Okay. Let's go to the cattle on feed report. When it came out on Friday, the total number of calves placed in November down one point nine four percent. Marketed in November down 7.4%. Um, the the placements were down, just not down as much as what the trade was expecting. Marketing's down even more than what was expected. 
end up with an inventory on December 1 above expectations at 2.7% versus expectations of a 2.2% increase. Uh, it, it was a little negative, but, boy, the market kind of brushed it off early today. Yes, it sure did, Chip. Uh, I, I was curious uh, what we were going to see uh, when markets open today. But, uh, you know, re so really I'll say, number one, mm -hmm. uh, we, we got placements to move back below year-ago levels. Yeah. Um, I think that on-fee number of 12 million head uh, certainly ha should have our attention. Um, yeah. So I, I, similarly, I'll say I I. I'm not sure we're done with record cattle prices, Chip, and that's probably, uh, I shouldn't be saying that right now, but uh, I think by summer, uh, we're going to look at some tighter markets. When you look at the weight breakdown, uh, those uh, that were, were 700 pounds or less um, were, were down out of the report. Uh, just tells me that uh, uh, we, we could get uh, much tighter as we get into the summer months of next year. Well, Scott, I tell you, the way that the cash feeder cattle market is trading, um, I would say that the anticipation in the countryside is that the cash cattle market, fed cattle market, is going to be better than what it is right now, too, because I don't know how you pencil this market out for profits this on the summer futures. Do you? No, <laughs> you're, you're, you're correct. It gets tight now. Chip, maybe we're going to get a lot cheaper corn as we get to next summer. Uh, I know some aren't going to be happy with me saying that probably out loud today, but uh, we've been dealing with really high feed costs for a period of time. And if those were to move lower, maybe some of those cattle will begin to pencil again. Yeah. I don't know. Is there going to be any profitability in this cattle market? You, you said that we could make a run back up to the highs. So maybe there will be some profit in it for a feed yard guy. Yeah, so I, I I always say right now, cow-calf producers are in the driver's seat. I think yeah. they're going to be in the driver's seat for a period of time. I think when we get beef cow inventory January 1, it's going to be down pretty hard again. Um, feed yards and packers are going to be caught in the middle of very tight supplies generally. Um, I, I say that, and thank goodness uh, for, for feed yards, some of them at least have been able to get some imported cattle into the mix to try to keep those feed yards full. But uh, I, I I think cow-calf producers are going to be the ones that benefit here for the next uh, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. Um, so I think we're getting closer and closer to figuring out all the time what the use of beef genetics in the dairy herd, what impact that is having on on supplies coming to the market. Um, shoot, I'm looking for the date on it right now, but we, we are the, 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 the total number of, of beef, um, straws sold in, I believe it was 2022 was up 5 million from like eight years ago with a corresponding decline in the dairy semen that was sold into the dairy industry. Scott, those guys have latched on to the to the uh, beef genetics and are using them very effectively. What kind – this has got to have a, a long-term impact on that feeder cattle market, won't it? So I think it certainly has some impact, Chip, because those animals probably don't go away 
few things. So, you know, you go back and milk prices have also been not that great. So yeah. it's encouraged, I think, uh, produce dairy producers to look at beef on dairy to try to increase some profitability on, on their operations. Uh, the, the other thing I'll say is beef, traditional beef cow uh, and, and beef cattle operations should be paying attention. I think the ability to talk about an industry that's coordinated from the time that calf drops until it's slaughtered, yes. I think is much easier to get done on the beef on dairy that we've been talking about. Those yeah. doesn't take very many of those large dairy operations to, to get a big supply of beef on dairy calves. And I think then they stay marketed at, throughout their life. And it could be some strong competition uh, for what we might think of as traditional uh, beef yeah. production. Yeah. Well, and and that and if it is an additional five million of crossbred calves coming to the market, it's not like they all come from fall calving or spring calving. These cows are having calves all year long, and it's it's got to smooth out some of the seasonality. Yeah, I think I, I so I think you're right. And Chip, I'll, I'll just add, I think much of the increase we we're already experiencing, it's hard to so so it's a more constant supply that's probably going to be with us as we move forward. I'm curious to watch if if uh, cattle prices move lower. Uh, is there enough incentive to keep folks uh, using beef on dairy uh, genetics? I, I, I think the answer is yes to that question. But uh, profitability has been good right now for those dairy uh, farmers to use sorted semen uh, yeah. to get the females they want back in the herd and and then uh, uh, use uh, beef uh, semen on the rest yeah. uh, of those females. So we'll, we'll see. There's some economics at play that I don't think we know the answer to yet as well. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, take me through what's happening in livestock slaughter on both hogs and, and cattle. What's happening that's got your, got your attention? Well, I always say, you know, you look at that information and production, it's a tale of uh, two cities here, uh, beef production for November down 5.8% is what we got out of livestock slaughter. Uh, year to date, we're down 5% in terms of beef production. Uh, on the hog side, pork production was up 1.6% uh, for November of this year relative to a year ago, uh, and year to date up 0.8%. So, <clears throat> More pork supplies have certainly been pressuring, I think, hog prices, and the short beef production has has allowed us to talk about higher cattle prices. Mm -hmm. I will say the highlight for me out of that report is beef cow slaughter uh, for November was down just slightly, Chip, 0.8% uh, relative to a year ago. Uh, looks like we've been catching up uh, and, and aren't down nearly as hard on beef cow slaughter later in 2023, which might translate into fewer beef cows come January 1 than many of us might have thought just a few months ago. So um, cattle supplies continuing to get tighter is kind of the longer term I see out of yeah. the livestock slaughter report. Yeah, yeah. On the demand side of beef, Scott, are you seeing any difference between the high-value whole muscle versus the ground? So we're seeing some, Chip. I think, you know, we're, we're seeing some consumers willing to buy down. Ground beef's been fairly strong as, as we look ahead. Um, I, I think the very best beef we're producing today uh, is consumed by high-income uh, consumers. 
they're pretty unresponsive to, to prices. So I think that demand can hold reasonably steady. It's kind of the middle to lower um, prices, price products that I think have a, a possibility to see consumers start to buy down. Um, al although when you look at the general economic signals we have today, they're frankly more positive than I would have thought we were going to see at this point in time. Yeah. So maybe that beef demand will hold right with us as we go into 2024. Amazing. Amazing. Good stuff, Scott. I sure appreciate your thoughts and and uh, the, the time that you put into this. Thank you so much. You bet, Chip. All right. That is Scott Brown, University of Missouri Associate Extension Professor, Interim Director of Rural and Farm Finance Policy Analysis Center. Okay. I've got a few more thoughts on the livestock situation. I'll bring them up next. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah. Her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. If the world is your oyster... We've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Michelle Rook is with me here for the final segment. Michelle, interesting conversation there with Scott Brown from the University of Missouri. Um, what I, I, I wonder if you're thinking the same as he is when he's talking about the outlook for cattle prices because of the fundamental situation and because the supply situation has not changed much, and the big wild card here is demand. If demand holds up, I don't see how we don't go back up and and challenge those all-time highs that we posted in, in 2023. Are the guys that you talk with, Michelle, are they thinking the same way? Well, the cattle bulls are. Obviously, <laughs> those that are really connected, I think, know that, you know, when you have a 60-year low in the cow herd, obviously at some point we are going to run back up into some really tight supplies. And part of the onslaught of, you know, supply that we've had here has been in part due to these record weights that we have. I mean, the weather's been good. You've had good corn prices relative to a year ago. I mean, they've been lower. And so we've just been putting too many 
pounds on those carcasses. Plus, you've had apparently a lot of Mexican feeder cattle come in, especially in states like Texas, they tell me. And those take longer to get to market and to get to grade. And so as a result, that might be one of the reasons that we're seeing some of these bigger placement numbers and on-feed numbers we've seen the last couple of months. Yeah. And in the market that we're in right now, if they if they don't grade choice or at least a high percentage choice, you don't send them right now because the the hit is too is too severe, right? Well, from what I understand, yes, and yeah. that is probably why the north has been for yeah. a long time had been at a premium to the south in terms of the cash trade is just because they were grading better up in the yeah. north. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and then I look at the cattle market and you see that the the February contract today was up almost buck ninety. You open up the chart and it's barely a blip. Yeah, it's an outside day up, it's an upside reversal. But the 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 bottom line is is that the market is in a sideways trading range and buck seventy on the top side is awfully tough resistance in this in the Feb cattle. Now we closed above it today. It would be pretty. If we can get some follow through tomorrow, it's going to feel like we can we can start to extend the uh, the upside recovery in in cattle at least in at least for this week. You know we'll have to we'll have to reevaluate what the the money that moves most quickly in the markets wants to do when we flip the calendar and get into 2024. But as of right now, I, it sure feels like the market is set up for a good week this week. I'd, I'd like to see that happen. The other thing is it wasn't that long ago that I became in possession of a tomahawk ribeye steak. You know, one of them nice, big, thick, dry aged yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I got a feeling that's what's going to be welcoming me into 2024 now after that conversation. Well, that's a good way to get there, I think. <laughs> yes, go big or go home. So That's right. That's right. Um, no, I think like you, I think the cattle market does have a chance, um, and Scott said it too, of maybe getting back to those record highs sometime in 24. Because we're pulling cattle ahead, too. You know, those heifers, we're still not seeing heifer retention. And until we do, we've pulled heifers into the feedlot. There's got to be a marketing hole there somewhere. So. Yep. Yep. That's right. You know, we we always talk about the wild card in that outlook for cattle being the demand side. Well, what if things line up so well that that as we run into some demand headwinds, it happens at the t- same time that guys decide, and maybe it's because we get some rain in cattle country, but it happens at the same time that guys decide now's the time to pull some heifers and to retain some heifers. So we take those heifers out of the slaughter mix at the same time that demand starts to struggle a little bit and the even tighter supply offsets that demand. That, yeah, that's the way that, that's the way the cattle happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to predict demand. That's always one of those that I have a hard time chasing and always figuring out. So well, Yeah, that's why I was asking about the, the ground versus the whole muscle high valued. 
Right, um, right. Because when you see that uptick and it becomes a hamburger economy where hamburger is driving is, is the go-to for for most. Well, I shouldn't say it that way because it it is the go-to for most. Um, but if you see that increase in demand for trim, demand for hamburger, a lot of times that can start to signal that it's going to start to feel a little top-heavy on uh, supplies of the whole muscle, high-valued cuts that are that are out there. So something that uh, that we're going to have to watch for. And then the, when it when it comes to the conversation that we had about the hogs and pigs report, it's the productivity, Michelle. Good grief, the four percent increase in the number of pigs per litter. I, you you can't cut the sow herd fast enough to off that offset that kind of productivity. Yeah, that was our problem last uh, quarter, and it looks like it still is. So yep, disease is probably probably taking care of in a lot of these herds. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning, Michelle. Thanks. All right, thanks so much. All right, National Weather Service, 6 to 10-day outlook, January 1st through the 5th. Calls for above-normal temperatures in the northern Midwest. We've got South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, northern Iowa, Wisconsin included in that. Near-normal temperatures expected across the rest of the Midwest and Corn Belt. On the precipitation side for Jan 1 through 5, Below normal precipitation, eastern North Dakota, eastern South Dakota, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, most of Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, uh, and then near normal to above normal in the western belt. Jump out to the 8 to 14 day outlook. The above normal temperatures stay in the northern reaches of the Midwest, uh, northern Missouri, Iowa, eastern Nebraska included in that. And then near normal to below normal precip in the upper Midwest and above normal precipitation in southern production areas. We've got Phil Flynn and a farmer form tomorrow morning here on AgriTalk.